0: Man, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was the second cup of coffee I had this morning or if it was just the Holy Spirit. But... Just. Just the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, have a, I have an inkling that it's the Holy Spirit. But there—there there is a joy in my heart just being with the people of God this morning. Someone else has got it over there. Yeah. As we were singing and worship, it was just... You know, I was just thinking, you know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I know we're at City College. We're not like in a house or a temple. Um, But the people of God are together and we're filled with the spirit of God and we're singing and rejoicing. Um, Man, I felt good. I liked it. All right. You guys, uh, I wasn't the only one. Okay, good. Um, Acts chapter 2. If you're there, say I'm there right. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 and it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together
1: We bow your heads and pray with me as we begin to dig into some of this. Father, we have decided to come here, and right now we decide to humble ourselves under your word and under the voice of your Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and minds to understand what it is that you want to show us, what you want to tell us and how you want to transform us to be more like your son, Jesus. I pray that everything that we say today would be heard as good news and be uplifting, and whatever we say that doesn't hit that mark, people would ignore and forget. That uh, you would work through our time and our words and our prayers this morning to transform us to be a people that live more fully for your glory in all the everyday rhythms of life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this with expectancy and with hope. Amen. So we so far right now, we are in a series uh, that we've titled The Basics that we circle back through each year. And uh, there's three ways that you can kind of listen to this Series, the basics. If you haven't been a part of this community for a long time, maybe this is the first time you've been a part of this sermon series in particular, or maybe last time you missed a week or two even and didn't go listen to the audio online. But th- if this is your first time, you get to listen uh, for the first time. So that's one way you can listen. If this isn't your first time, but maybe you've been a part of the community for a year or two, and uh, even though New City itself has only existed for Two months. Uh, you've been a part of either Anchor or Kaleo for a while and you've heard these things um, gone through before. A way to listen is to listen again, to press more deeply into these truths. Or maybe you've you've really immersed yourself into the gospel and your identity in Christ and living that out in the everyday rhythms of life. And so you can listen in a third way, which is to hear again how you can communicate it to others as you lead them in walking and uh, working out their faith and love. Okay, so whichever one of those you find yourself in, you can camp there today and listen, knowing that this is good news, whether you've heard it once or a hundred times. And uh, we're going to unpack today. We're going to begin in the kind of how-to or the how-then-do-we-live part of this series. We talked the first couple weeks about who God is, how powerful God is. His good news is, and how His good news, the gospel, transforms us from the inside out. And then we talked about why. Why did God save us and leave us here, not just save us and take us to heaven? What the purpose of the gospel is, which is to glorify Himself by, and the primary way we get to participate in that is by going throughout the world and making disciples who make disciples, who spread His glory and His fame around the earth. And then we talked about what the gospel, who the gospel makes us, who the gospel transforms us to be in Christ. And that is, we are, because God is our Father, we are a what? We are a family. Because Jesus is our King, we are servants. And because the Holy Spirit is in us and sends us out, we are missionaries. Every one of us who is in Christ. And if we are in Christ, we are completely and utterly, whether we feel it or not, completely loved, completely accepted by the only one whose acceptance truly matters, by God. And we are human beings, not human doings. So I don't want you to hear this week and the next couple of weeks as if you do this, you will earn God's favor. If you do this, you will earn acceptance before God. But I want you to hear this week and the next couple of weeks as... Because of what Jesus has done on the cross and who that makes you, you now get to live out these rhythms of life with freedom and with grace. Okay? Just get in that posture of of, it is good news to live, to live out what Scripture calls us to. It is not oppression. It is not uh, the wrong way to live. It is not undoing some better plan that you have for your life, but it is God's purpose for you. It is why God made you and it's why God saved you is to live out these good works. And we are people sent by God to demonstrate and to declare this same good news to the world. So what does that look like in the everyday? I'm glad you asked because that's what we're going to begin to unpack. See, many, many of us maybe even grew up. I know I grew up a bit uh, seeing church as something you go to as a place that you attend. Or at the very best, it's it's the people, but only when they're together at the big meeting. And we believe, and I think the Bible is very clear, that we, the people of God, are the church. 24-7, we are the church. We are God's people, saved by God's power for God's purpose, the church. And as the church, we're called to live where? In monasteries? To separate ourselves from the world? No, we're called to live in the world. We're called to live amongst the people of the world, doing everyday life in a very distinct way. We live all of life as worship. We live all of life as Not for ourselves, not for anyone else, but for God's glory, for God's fame, for God's weightiness, as though His opinion is the only one that matters because in the end it is. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us to live this way. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? So for the church, we need to focus and we need to unpack all the whatevers of life. It's not whether you have prayer meetings or songs, do it to the glory of God. It's whatever you do. What are some, some like low-key things you do in life that normally we wouldn't associate as church activities? Lying? Laundry. Don't lie to the glory of God. Do, do laundry to the glory of God. What else? What's that? Drive. Drive to the glory of God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All of us are like <laughs> convictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Grocery shop. Go-try shop. Yeah. Work. Work. Sleep. Sleep to the glory of God. Mm. Eat to the glory of God. Play softball to the glory of God. Change diapers. Change diapers. To the glory of God. He's preaching, man. Marco, party. party to the glory of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Mourn to the glory of God.
0: Hmm.
1: Cook dinner for your family to the glory of God. Receive correction to the glory of God. Take a walk to the glory of God. Go to the park to the glory of God. Maybe even do CrossFit. To the glory of God If that's possible (laughs) Surf to the glory of God (laughs) Get your hair cut To the glory of God Right and so this This week and the next couple weeks We're going to unpack The everything of life In six general categories Six rhythms that all people In every culture Even before Adam and Eve Turned away from God and rebelled Participated So that if we're the church 24-7, will you be the church, George, when you move out of this city? Absolutely. He's getting ready to move soon. That's why okay. <laughs> It's like, leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I refer to George. And so our task then as, as elders and as leaders is to seek to equip the people of God to live out our identity in the everyday rhythms of life wherever we go whether it's here in San Diego or to the ends of the earth. And so we want to see everything we do as an opportunity, as a, as a space for the good news to happen, as an opportunity to worship, as an opportunity to bring God glory. And how do we do that? We live each of those moments with intentionality in such a way that God is clearly seen as most important in all those things we just listed. And so we're going to begin to unpack that this week and the next couple weeks, and it's going to be in six general rhythms, which are today we're going to focus on story, being story formed, which we'll unpack what that means in a minute, listening. How many people in San Diego listen to dominant voices and have their life directed by that? All of them, all of us, right? We're all listening to some expert, even if we think it's ourselves, (laughs) We're listening to voices, inside, it, outside, God's voice, demons' voices, voices all over affect our lives according to how much we listen to them. We are going to to unpack the rhythm of eating. Where's Shane? Shane is going to unpack the rhythm of eating, right? So excited next week. And celebrate. We're going to unpack the rhythm of how do we celebrate to the glory of God? We're gonna unpack the rhythm of blessing. In every culture, there's a there's a form of blessing. What's how do people bless each other after a football game that they're in? What do they do? They give high fives. They what? They smack each other. Or they shake hands. Like the teams bless each other with that, right? And if someone doesn't and they stay on the bench, it's like national news that he didn't go out and shake the other team's hand. Yeah. So in every culture, there's that. There's where did that come from? That's how we were made to live. Is to bless. And then lastly, we're going to unpack, which is the sixth rhythm? Recreate, work and rest, recreate and recreate. It's kind of a play on words, a pun.
0: Yeah, so today we're, we're talking about, um, the first two we're talking about are story formed and listen. And um, just to peek into what we mean by story formed, everyone, everyone you know, every person on the planet is living their life inside of and in light of some larger story that helps them, that helps us make sense of the world around us. And when you believe a story, it directly affects how you live. You live as though it is true. Just to give you an example um, from my younger years, I, I remember a time I was nine years old and my oldest sister was 18 and she was out of high school, moving to college. So we were doing the whole family, you know, move big sister to college sort of thing. So we loaded up a U-Haul. And um, I think we've got a, a picture just in case you've never seen a U-Haul truck. And uh, <laughs> so exciting. I'm... Well, nine-year-old, I'm really excited, you know, for my big sister. We had a truck like this. I remember we're, uh, me and my dad and my brother are going to get in the truck. And I had, you know, it was a thing to climb up. And about when I got in, I saw this sign right on the driver's side. And it said, watch for canopies. Watch out for canopies or canopies. All right. But I was nine, so they were canopies. And so I immediately, as I got in the car, I remember we, we got on the road and I tell my dad and my brother, like, we got to watch out for canopies. <laughs> dad, do you know what a canopy is? And uh, maybe ask my brother first, because he decided, just as most older brothers do, <laughs> to tease me and string me along. So they start, they start saying, yeah, a canopy is, it's kind of like a jackalope. We have the next photo. And... It's kind of like a jackalope, except it's about the size of a kangaroo. And they run around on their hind legs, and they have antlers. And they're purple and pink fur. Like, it's, it's pretty outrageous. And I'm just like, really? Why are they dangerous? Why do we have to watch out for them? And they begin to say, well, what they do is they're drawn to bright colors. So when you're driving a U-Haul truck down the highway... They're just drawn to that like a moth to light and they'll just wait till you're going 50. That's why they say you can't go over 55 in a U-Haul because they'll wait till you're going down the highway and they'll just run right out in front of you and you'll total your car and lose all your stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never heard of this. We got to watch out. So I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, you know, and they're, they're just silently laughing laughing, silently laughing, inwardly laughing, at least at me, just stringing me along for probably over an hour. And, and I'm just like, we got to watch out for Kenopies. I don't want to lose my sister's stuff. And then eventually when they had, you know, their laughs, they let me in on it. And I, you know, um, struggled with thoughts of revenge, but, um, when we believe a story, we act as though it's true. When I believed in a purple and pink jackalope the size of a kangaroo, when I believed that that was true, I acted accordingly and I was nervous and my eyes were glued to the road. I'm like, we got to protect this U-Haul. When we believe a story, we act as though it's true. And everyone on the planet is living within a story. And it's shaped by all sorts of things. It can be shaped by the country that you live in, the culture surrounding you, the family you were raised in, what kind of family environment you had, the worldview that they choose to believe. We're all living within a story. But until we see all of life in light of the story, the redemptive story of God, until we see all of our life in light of that story, the stories we believe are going to fall short. They're lesser stories and they're going to they're going to fail us. We, we will give our lives and act as though those stories may be true, but they're not going to work in the end. So today we're talking about story form being formed by the story of God. And as people who are story formed, we know and submit to the story of God while also becoming familiar with each other's stories and the stories of our culture. And since it's the basics, we're going to start with the basics in the beginning, all the way back in the garden with Adam and Eve. So, in the beginning, God creates, and then He makes Adam and Eve, and He tells them the story of how things are. He provides for them everything they need, kind of lays out the framework, and tells them the story of how things are. if you're familiar with the story, if you've been around and heard that, what was the story at that point? God created everything. So God created everything. Yes. Everything that he made was good. Everything that he made was good. Including Adam and Eve. What's that? Including nakedness. (laughs) All right. It was in the story.
1: Uh, Adam
0: and Eve to with God. Yeah, they, walked, they had a relationship with God, close relationship. Who was providing everything? Who was in control? Who set everything up the way it should be? Yeah. And He called it all good. But then as you are familiar with the story, the serpent came along and told them an alternative story. You need to do this so that you can be like God. Well, God had already said that they were made in his image. God's withholding the best from you. When God had given them everything they need and more than they needed. And so the serpent tells them this alternative story and they believed it. And because they believed it, all all the sin and all the evil and all the suffering and pain that you and I experience in the world is a result of them believing that and, and of us, of believing the wrong story. And if, you, if you're familiar in Genesis 3, in the story, they, they go on to blame others. You know, when God calls them out, Adam says, It was the woman that you gave me. Right? So, and then the, the woman says, Well, it was the serpent. And so they're shifting blame and they're even blaming God for what they did. The story can get so twisted. But even there in the very beginning... Of the story of God. There's good news. Because God promises. A future redeemer. A future offspring. That he says to the serpent. Will crush your head. Will bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel. And he'll bruise your head. That even in the very first story that we have. God promises. There's going to be a redeemer. It's looking forward to Jesus. There's going to be a hero.
1: So that's the key question for us as we, as we see our lives and we realize that all of us are living as part of a story or in light of a story that we believe is, is most true. The question is, who is the hero? Who is the hero of your story? So let me ask this. Let me dig into this a little bit. I want, to, I want you to really not just move on from that question. Let me ask, if you lived as though, say, you yourself were the hero of your story, what are some indicators of a life lived as though you are the hero of your own story? What does that look like? Looks like narcissism. Yeah, that's what we label that, right? Yeah, but, but it's more subtle than that often, right? Like, in the end, it's, if it ultimately works itself out, it's narcissism. Marco? You, you, Zach might refer to himself but Man, I can't even get that sentence out eh? um, Jeff Do You try to control every- Yeah, you try to control everything
0: If it is to be, it is up to me mentality. If it is to be, it is up to me yeah. You start to rhyme sentences <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or make fun of others When they make rhymes <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you see what you did there? Yeah, yeah.
1: How else? Um, what's another hero? Just name a... Someone name a hero that the people live as though. Hercules. Hercules. Okay. We could go there. Um, what's a <laughs> another hero that, that people truly believe is kind of... The, they live for? Money. Money. Okay. Money is the hero. What does your life look like if money is the hero? You work... Not just a lot. You work incessantly and obsessively, right? What was that? The wolf of Wall Street Street is what your life might look like. Yeah. If money is the hero, what will happen when you lose money? You will freak out. You will become depressed. And you may contemplate even taking your life because there is no hope. The hope has left you. Hmm. What else does it look like when you live as though money is your hero? What's that? You're stingy instead of generous. Absolutely. And so the question for us, yeah, you you'd be proud when you do get it. So the question, the key question when it comes to being story form is who is the hero of your story? So let's, let's turn that. Let's, okay, that was all kind of the bad news. What does it look like? A little bit. We're going to unpack this, but but just let, I want you guys to think it out. As the people of God, what does it look like? What changes about your life when Jesus is the hero? Stop stressing out that you need to rescue and save everything. Okay. Because if the rescuer himself is the hero, you stop stressing out that you need to rescue and save everything. You stop having anxiety. You stop... Letting anxiety rule your life, yeah. You don't have to conform to the way the world is. Yeah. Yeah. Because your hero is very unlike the world, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you can enjoy life and enjoy creation and enjoy what God has given you. Absolutely. You have long-term hope. God wins. Mm-hmm. I've read the story and God wins. Mm-hmm. I have hope. The dips are just to make the story interesting, right? They're just to point how, to how heroic He truly is. Yeah, joy. yeah you, you respond with joy and thanksgiving because Jesus, our hero, did not demand that we come to Him, but He came to us. He took on flesh. He became the worst of what we are. And we must respond with joy and Thanksgiving because that is a hero worth being thankful for. Mm
0: -hmm. Amen. Amen. So as disciples of Jesus, our identity as disciples comes from the story. It comes from the fact that there is a story, that there is a hero. So as disciples, we've got to know the story. We've got to learn from the story. And it's more than just knowing Scripture because you can know Scripture. And you can know a lot of Bible verses and not know the story of God. Yeah. Let's say that again as a Bible quizzer growing up. You can know a lot of Scripture and not really know the story of the good news. Of salvation in Jesus Christ. Scripture itself gives us a great example of this. Um, On the the road to Emmaus, right? There's two disciples walking, that's disciples walking, and uh, down the road, and this is just after Jesus has been crucified. And also, just after he's resurrected, he's been raised from the dead, but it's not common fact. So the people that followed him don't even know that he's raised from the dead yet. And so they're still very depressed and downcast because their hero of the story that they've been following for years now is dead. And they feel like the movement may be over, right? So they're walking down the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, and the Bible says that they were downcast. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes alongside them on the road, and they don't recognize him. Number one, because they're not looking for him. I don't think they were expecting him to be resurrected. But he starts walking alongside them and says, why are you so downcast? And they say, and I'm going to paraphrase this story for you so we, for the sake of time. But he says, why are you so downcast? And they say, have you not heard of all the things that have gone on in Jerusalem? And just track with me for a second, because this is kind of a hilarious scene. <laughs> they're asking Jesus and they're talking about his crucifixion. Have you not heard everything that's happened in Jerusalem? And Jesus' response, he says, what things? (laughs) And so they go on and tell him. They say, well, Jesus of Nazareth. And he came and he taught and he brought news of the kingdom of God. And it was so great and it was so awesome. And now he's been crucified and he's dead and we don't have any hope. And he says, how do you have so little faith? Don't you know that the Son of Man had to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And then the scripture says he started with Moses... And all the prophets, and he went through the whole Old Testament, and he explained how all those scriptures pointed to who? Yeah. To him. So he, they know the scriptures. They know Moses. They know the prophets. They have these verses memorized. I know that Bible. But they did not know the story. They did not know that... All of it pointed to Jesus. And if you go ahead and read that story, eventually their eyes are open and they do recognize him and realize it. And what do they do? They immediately go and tell the other disciples the story. He's resurrected. You have to hear this. You have to hear how all the scriptures we've known point to him. He is our hero. He came back from death. And so it's possible to know the Scriptures and not know the story. But as disciples, we've got to know the story because that's what forms us and shapes us. That's what gives us an identity in Christ. We need to know it. Like like Deuteronomy 6 says, we need to know it and we need to talk about it when we sit, when we stand, when we walk along the way, when we eat, when we lie down, etc., etc., etc. So the question is, do you know the story of God? I know for a lot of you that have gone, we, we go through something here called the story formed way or the story of God. And, and I've, I've heard so many testimonies of the first time that people go through that or even consequential times that, that it's just like mind boggling. That it's like, I, I know the first time I heard the story that I, I had been in church, I had been a Christian for as long as I could remember I had, been in, I had been a youth pastor and I was in a room of people who had multiple degrees in ministry. Some from all over the world, all over the states. And, and people in that room said, I've never seen that about God. Do you know the story well enough to let it critique your life? Do we know the story well enough to let it speak to us every day? There's a early in the story that early in, in, um, in Genesis, there's a scene uh, called the Tower of Babel where the humans in that story have decided to band together and, and build this tower that will reach higher than the heavens. And they want to make a name for themselves and bring glory to themselves instead of to God. And, and if you're familiar with the story, you know that this theme of, of rebelling in, against God and making a name for myself shows up over and over and over in the story are you aware of how that story how that rebellion against god that fundamental story that theme are you aware of how that has shaped your life are you aware of how the story speaks into and changes that as as disciples we need to be self-aware and let the spirit of god and the word of god show us where we're not in line with the story of god does that make sense so, as disciples of Jesus, we have this identity, and we've hit on that for the last three weeks. We've talked about being the family of God, missionaries, and servants. And as a family, I, we're, we're just going to work through that really quick, how that, how that shows up in each of those different aspects of our identity. But this story-formed rhythm, as a family, what do you think something that's really key that has to do with stories and family? We have to know each other's story. We have to know each other's story. We need to pay attention to the stories of others so that we can know where to encourage and lift up we, so that we can know they may need to hear this about the gospel. This area of the gospel in the story may speak to their story. Does that make sense? Because as disciples, we find that our story intersects with the overarching story of what God is doing How God is redeeming us. Do you want to tell that story about... uh, Yeah, it's a funny story. It's a funny story, by the way.
1: Um, So we, uh, as uh, Tom... There's four elders, four pastors here in New City. Uh, Tom Fine, who's the greatest among us, right? No. uh, So so Jesus is our senior pastor, amen? Amen. And there's four of us who are under shepherds, assistant pastors under Jesus. Uh, Tom and Vince... And Kenny and myself. And as we, as God was moving us to join together, to get married together as Anchor and Kaleo and become one community together, uh, we began almost a year ago or over a year ago now uh, meeting together as the four of us as elders and leading together and seeking to love one another and know one another. And then how many of you remember when Jeff Garner came and visited last and he, he preached about being the beloved. It was a wonderful time, right? Well, part of why Jeff came was to speak into this process of joining together as two communities and speaking to our lives as leaders and speaking to our lives as the people of God, the beloved. And so he, we asked him to come and listen and give us some feedback. And on the last night that he was here, we, we met with him at some place in Normal Heights that was really cool. They had pennies on the floor of the bathroom in, like, Stuff anyway, it was a cool place. So um and so we're there hanging out with Jeff, very relational, wonderful time. And the first question he asks us so is kind of his notes, he's like, So have you guys like really told each other your stories? Now again, we preach on this at least once a year. <laughs> we talk about this. We we encourage each of our gospel communities to go through the story of God annually at least. I mean we just all hung our heads and we were like
0: Oh we forgot and we, <laughs> we meet every week for we a meet year every
1: week for a year, and we forgot to just oh, simply tell each other. oh that's important. Our stories okay. and, we, and we wondered why, as we came to make hard decisions together, it was it was a little bit difficult and we assumed things about each other is because we had not taken the time to simply listen yeah. to one another's stories. And so we had an elder retreat together in November where uh, we put aside 20 minutes and then each took about 200 minutes to tell our (laughs) stories. And it it was a wonderful time that that God used to knit our hearts together and to give understanding of one another that that could not have happened another way. Unless we as brothers in Christ really heard each other's stories and what God has done and where we struggle to see our lives as part of God's story and instead see it as a reaction to what was done to us or not done for us when we were younger or whatever it may be that we struggle to line ourselves up with the story of God in a big way. We needed to understand, and we got a chance to do that together. And now we know each other and can, therefore, love one another more fully in
0: life. And can point each other back to the story of God. The next, the next few is missionaries and servants. And in order to be an effective missionary, you have to know the story of the culture that you're sent to, right? Yeah. You have to know the dominant story. You have to know maybe the the false gods or the idols in that culture. You need to know... Uh, where where people are going to need to hear the gospel most. You have to know what the needs are so that you can demonstrate the gospel as your identity as a servant and declare the gospel as your identity as a missionary. Um, I've got a story of when our gospel community in Golden Hill made a great effort, a great missional and, and servant's heart effort. And it was on Halloween this past year. <laughs> Um, we decided, you know what? We want to serve our community. We want to be on mission to our neighbors. We want to get out and meet some people. You know, we're going to bring candy. We're going to have hot chocolate so people will stop and talk for a while. And so I remembered, you know, we got it all organized. I drove straight home from work and made like the biggest vat of hot chocolate like that I've ever made. Just, just yeah, just really hot, hot chocolate. And then we get all set up and we go to walk out up, up, up our uh, driveway to the corner of the street. We get all set up, ready to pass out candy, ready to, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for someone right now. Hallelujah. On Halloween. And uh, anyways, we stayed out there for about an hour. About, after about an hour, we went back down and we had served exactly zero people. No one came by. Like, no one came by trick-or-treating in our neighborhood. And actually, as soon as I had taken the hot chocolate back down to the house, all defeated, like, one guy walked by. (laughs) I think he grabbed, like, two pieces of candy. And we had, like, tons of candy. And so, even though it was a great effort, we learned something about... We hadn't really learned that that our community right there is not... It's not the community that goes trick-or-treating with each other. They like go to a different neighborhood and go trick-or-treating. So that's not the way to serve them. That's not the dominant story. People don't all know each other on our block. I mean, we saw like one group of people the whole time.
1: Meanwhile, you know, where the, a great neighborhood where that would have worked is where we live, in Claremont, the story of our neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's one of the original suburbs of all suburbia in all of America, right? I mean, it is built, <laughs> purpose built for trick-or-treating. And people come <laughs> to our neighborhood. I mean, I, from what I hear, people come up from Mexico just to trick-or-treat in neighborhoods like ours. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I know there was one family walking the streets. Mm-hmm. like I mean, the whole extended family didn't live in our neighborhood as we were trick-or-treating that same night. We should have had them come and make our (laughs) chocolate on our front lawn. I mean, it would have been perfect. That is, Halloween is an open door in our neighborhood for most of the houses, or a good number of them, and definitely the families and people, like I said, people come into our neighborhood just to trick-or-treat. So as you get to know the story of your community as a missionary, you understand how to enter into all the rhythms of life, right? Like that one, what rhythms are also mentioned in that story. Just to see how they all tie together real quick. What's that? Eat? Celebrate. celebrate. It was a celebration that our culture is participating in that we get to enter in with love and redemption, right? Serving, blessing? Yeah. They blessed that, blessed one, that one guy. guy. I, yeah. He
0: was really blessed. Yeah.
1: And we love giving out candy on that day. We you know, there was anyway, we're gonna up our candy and, and stuff this year as, as a lesson from that. that would be good. And so we get to enter into our community, understand the story, the larger story, but also individuals' stories as missionaries, right? We're not just reaching a neighborhood. A neighborhood is made up of real people with real names and real stories that they're living out of. And so we listen to the stories, which points to our next rhythm that we're going to talk about, which is listen. We listen. Listen. How many people in San Diego are listening? All of them. According to the sign, it's like 1.3 million, but I think it's a few more than that in the the metropolitan area. Everyone, the second rhythm that we're talking about today is listen. Everyone has this rhythm in their life, that they are listening to a voice, an influence, a book, a movie, uh, a worldview, whatever it may be, we're listening to someone. And as God's people, redeemed for His purposes by His power, we set aside regular times to listen to God. We listen to God backward, as it were, as we look at the Scriptures of what He's already revealed to us, and then we listen to God forward through prayer, through walking in the Spirit as He teaches us. Jesus listened to God in prayer, didn't He? Jesus actually said that He only did what the Father told Him. I've become, uh, more and more recently, in just the recent past few weeks especially, God has really been pressing that into my heart in such a way to where when I get kind of angsty or frustrated about this walk of faith, He just keeps reminding me, like, if you only did what I told you, you'd be perfect your life would be perfect it wouldn't be easy it would be in the pattern of the cross right with suffering and rejection but i would that would be the perfect life if we just listen to god's voice our father who loves us we would be made like him we listen to god because it, it's through His voice has revealed to us in the good news of the Scriptures, of the story. And it's it's through His voice into our lives that we become aware of even more our ongoing need for Him. We listen, again, backward by interacting with the story, interacting with His Word, which right now we're planning on after this uh, in April or so, we're going to dig into the book of John. What does John What's, who does He call the Word? Jesus. So we interact with Jesus, the person, through His Scriptures. We interact with the Word, and we listen to God backwards. And we listen forward, because Jesus says that He was going on, but He said, I will send, spend, send back a helper who will tell you even more than you can hear from Me. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus told His disciples... I, "Like." The God-man in the flesh performing amazing miracles. Just, if there's somebody that you would just be able to receive any teaching from, it would be him, right? Often we, we long for that. We're like, man, if Jesus would just show up again, if I had been one of his apostles. And yet Jesus says the Spirit will teach you even more than you can handle from me, myself, walking with you. You can search the scriptures. He says that. I don't have the reference right off the top of my head. We believe that he declares to all people what he's like through creation. He tells and shows everyone what he's like through creation. So we can listen to him just in in seeing how he has made us, how he has made the world, how he has created things. But he speaks specifically to those who are his through his spirit inside of us, through one another, from our hearts, from the inside out. And just like everyone is living their lives in light of a story, everyone is listening to someone or something as the primary voice or voices that they submit their lives to, an expert or a teacher that we follow. These could include uh, some lesson they learned in school, a charismatic personality or a leader. And it could, as I referred to earlier, it could even include demonic voices. This is a real spiritual battle that we're engaged in as we walk by faith. It could include lies from the past that, that maybe maybe your dad told you. Maybe he shamed you into believing when you were a child. Or maybe you didn't hear enough or didn't have a father who told you or reminded you of any of the attributes of who God is. And so you live out of that chasm of not having heard or being affirmed as one who is loved. And that's the voice. Maybe it's, it's simply your flesh rising up again and again saying, no, 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 no! you're shackled to me. You can't move on in life. Instead of listening to the voice of God who in Romans says, death, the flesh, the old man no longer has dominion over you. But you are absolutely freed for freedom's sake. Unless God, the creator and the recreator and the savior of the world is the expert and the teacher to whom we compare all other voices. We're going to be prone to deceit and to lies and to worship ourselves or to worship others. And again, we, we go back to the garden. We saw that, right? Adam and Eve stopped listening to. To the voice of God, stopped obeying the voice of God, and instead listened to another teacher, the serpent. And as a result, all suffering and death and sin flowed out of that rebellion.
0: So the key question with listen is... Just as the key question with being story formed is who is the hero of your story with listen? It is who is the primary voice that you're listening to to guide you in your life. And as disciples of Jesus. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. And we have this amazing gift. Like Zach touched on earlier, just that the Holy Spirit is. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit is he's the comforter who would guide us into all truth, who would convict us of sin, who would remind us of the teaching, the teachings of Jesus. He shows us where to go and what to do. And as children of God, as part of his family, we get to listen to our father as missionaries. We get to listen to the one who gave us a mission as servants. We get to listen to the king and he speaks to us. So as disciples, is God your primary voice? As you go throughout your day, what is the main voice that is driving the actions you do? Is it the Lord? Are you asking, Holy Spirit, lead me, direct me, guide me through this day. Holy Spirit, help me tackle this problem at work. Holy Spirit, help me in this conversation in my family. Are you growing at listening to God? You're growing at listening to the Holy Spirit.
1: A couple, uh, about a year ago, a friend of ours named Ted uh, shared with us a, a tool and a resource that has God has used to completely revamp and change the way I relate to Him and the way I hear His voice through Word, through the Word. And through prayer. And um, that is... How many of you have these? Have one of these? The CBR Journal. City Bible Reading is what it stands for. It's really simple. Like, I mean, it's just a journal. And a a list of scriptures. With some instructions. And some kind of rules to keep it from being religion. Again and again and again in my walk with the Lord, I just... I came up against like, okay, what a good Christian does and all good Christians except me do is get up and pray and read their Bible for like no less than 45 minutes every morning. How many of you have felt like that's true? Like everyone but you is doing that, right? And that's what it means to be a good Christian. And then that's also what it means when you're mature, that's what you do. Like that's how you become mature and that's what mature Christians do. And that's the primary mark of all good Christians. And so we, we try, and we try harder, and it doesn't work, and we try harder, and it doesn't work. And, and even when we accomplish it, we're like, that wasn't even fun. Like, that, I, didn't, I didn't hear a good voice. I, just, I, I, I read some weird names, and, and I got another chapter marked off in my checklist, but, but there was no pleasure. There was no, like, I'm having a cup of coffee with my dad who treasures me more than all of the earth. And yet, as as, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit, but I I feel like I should be. But I'm not that ashamed to admit like it wasn't until like a year ago that that really began to click in a new way for me. That that morning after morning and it's not every day. But when I engage with God in, in Bible reading, which is coming under the word and saying, Holy Spirit, here's my I can't lift that arm very well. Here's my soul. Like do do with me what you want with your word transform me. Even if it's just uh, one letter, one, one word, one phrase from this chapter, I know that you want to speak to me by your word and you want to show me Jesus today. I don't want to study it today. That's a good practice, but, but we just need to, to receive what God has for us so often instead of trying to understand every word. It's like we, we've got a lifetime and then we've got all eternity to understand it all. He wants us to know Him and to know that we're known by Him and loved by Him. And, and it's a practice of, of listening where we just say, I'm going to read some Scripture. I surrender my soul to you in the morning as David did again and again and as Jesus did again and again. I want to hear your voice and your love for me and your compassion toward me and your heartbeat for me and my family and and the family of God. And as we open ourselves up to listen to God daily, not, not just come telling Him what we want Him to hear, but we respond from having listened to Him because we get to, because we, we truly have encountered Him in a way where he, He's drawn us in near and He's told us what He wants us to hear so that we can respond with gratitude, with worship, with praise, with requests. He tells us to ask for what we need, right? but as a response to his love and his voice. So I'm not just trying to plug a tool, or a resource. I, I, it genuinely has changed my walk with the Lord, which is, is transforming my life and my love for others as well. It's good news that we get to listen to the voice of the Father is the point of that story. So we listen to God. We also listen to our own voices. To what's what we're saying to ourselves is important as disciples. C. J. Mahaney in his book Living the Cross Centered Life says that when we listen to ourselves, we should always speak the gospel to ourselves. In order to regularly recenter or realign ourselves to the truth of who God is and what He's done, we need to listen closely to what we're saying to ourselves. And compare that to the gospel. Compare that to our identity in Christ as family, as missionaries, as servants. We need to compare what we're hearing where it doesn't match up with the story. And preach the gospel again and again or to ourselves. And then we also get, as a bonus as it were, we get to ask the Spirit to do that for us. We may listen to our own voices and say, God, I can't, I can't respond to that with the good news right now. I'm so weak. Will you please remind me of the good news? I see that I'm out of line with the good news, but I can't find it within myself to remind myself of the good news. And God is faithful, and He will comfort, and He will encourage, and He will teach you again. If we'll just listen. His Holy Spirit. When we cry out to Him, when we ask Him, will teach us and will speak to us. We're actually going to have a time in just a few minutes where maybe you came in today and and you don't... You aren't a Christian. You haven't placed your faith in Christ. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you. And you want to hear the voice of God. You want to know God as your Father. You want to be part of His family. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond by surrendering your life to Him. Or maybe... You do believe that you're, and you know that you're adopted into the family, but, but for whatever reason it may be, you can no longer find it within yourself to hear the voice of God. You feel like others have a glass that's dimly lit, but yours is just completely covered in mud. You can't see God, you can't hear God. And we're going to have a couple of our leaders uh, give an opportunity to for you to be prayed for and ministered to this morning, and not just today. This is an opportunity all throughout the week to, to listen to one another as family, right? And say, are you hearing God's love for you? Are you hearing God's voice in your life? Can I pray for you? Can I minister to you? Can I remind you of your identity in Christ? Because a good family, at least, even though it's convicting to say this out loud, a good family listens to each other, right? And if that's who we are as a family, then we will get to listen to each other. A note on that is, how many of you, um, as you live in kind of gospel community on mission life, have ever found yourself frustrated with other members of your community? Just four of us, five of us, I see that hand, right? How many of you are part of a family and have ever gotten frustrated with a family member? Probably all of us, right? Okay, if you're if you're working on like a chore, say your dishwasher breaks, and you don't have a clue how to fix a dishwasher, and yet you have to because maybe you don't have any money or friends that can help you, right? You're probably going to get frustrated along the way, right? Because you don't have the tools, you don't have the know-how, you don't have the experience, and and it's kind of just gross too, right? You get in there and you're like, wow, no wonder it's broken. We didn't rinse our dishes first. So we get frustrated when we don't have the resources, the tools, or the know-how to, to address a problem, right? And so we, we get frustrated with one another. But the good news of the gospel is we don't have to. We're free from hating one another and murdering one another in our hearts. Just a little bit. I, the other day I was talking to a friend. I was like, I was just a little bit resentful towards him. I was like, It's like saying, I only murdered him a little bit in my heart that's what Jesus says when we resent one another we don't have to do that because as we listen to the problem so when you've sinned against me Vince next time when my dishwasher breaks right when my friend attitude toward me is broken if I'll just listen to him whatever problem it may be the gospel is the solution And I have the gospel. So I don't need to respond with hatred or disdain. But as a family member who has the gospel, I have the tool. I have the know-how. And even if I don't, I know the one who does. And so I can pray for you even if I can't address it myself with the gospel. I just want to encourage you as family everywhere right now. And I know half of you in the room are thinking of like five people in your gospel community that this would work with. You could change your attitude toward. Yeah, there's a couple of us in the room, right? See, I want you to see all of those tensions and rubs as a space to listen and apply the gospel or listen and pray or listen and and know the person's heart so that you can love them and redirect them to the hero. Vince got to actually do this with me a couple a couple months ago. We had met as a DNA group discussion, and uh, afterwards, I was sharing with him uh, basically the voices that I was listening to in the moment. He asked me to actually write down, like, like, what are you thinking about yourself right now? I mean, it hurt to write it down, right? Like, I didn't know where he was even going with it, so I'm just like, I don't want. Like, and, and I can still picture that, that yellow legal pad that I was writing it on. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm a failure as a leader. I'm a bad husband. I'm an inattentive father. I'm an unfaithful friend. I'm a shallow worshiper. I'm a bad listener. I don't even see that the trash needs taken out, let alone do it. (laughs) This (laughs) This was a. It's okay, Mike. I'm not talking about. Well, maybe I am. But thank you for. And. And working from I mean we didn't like look up this scripture, but working from the truth of what we're talking about here. Philippians three nine says And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Because that's what I was doing. I was listening out, like here's all the laws that I can't I can't accomplish it. I can't do it. But I was filled with shame because I thought I should be able to do it. I thought I should be able to live up to God's law. But the reality is God's law is like a request to jump to the moon. None of us can do it. You can jump 12 inches and I can jump 17. But we can't get to the moon by our own strength, right? And so I was, I was trying and trying. And, and then the second half of that verse, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith and what my brother who listened to me had me do then was basically in response to every one of those words. He was like, how does God look, not just at you, how does God look at Jesus? You want some healing? List out all the negative self-talk and then list out how God sees Jesus in response to each one of those negative things. Because that's how He sees you, by faith. And the voice I was listening to filled me with shame until I listened to the voice of my Father who loves me. How many of you want an opportunity to do that with one another, to, to point one another to that kind of good news? I hope all of you do. And the message this morning isn't try harder to do that. The message this morning is there are a thousand opportunities a week where you get to do that. And the good news regarding Jesus when it comes to listening is that even though we don't listen to the Father perfectly for even you know more than five minutes at a time, Jesus listened perfectly on your behalf and on the cross. He took away all of your not listening, all of your listening to the wrong voices, all of your rebellion against his voice, all your thinking that his voice is bad news. Jesus paid for all of that. And you know what that deserves? It's a huge punishment, the wrath of God himself. He poured out that wrath on Jesus on your behalf on the cross. And then you know what he he, he drenches you with, like we just read. What he clothes you with is his perfect listening and perfect obedience. And he's still in the throne, next to the throne of the Father, as our perfect priest, intimately listening to our cries to him for help with grace. generosity, and compassion. He listens to our cries, and He speaks to the Father on our behalf still today, continually. So we're going to get a a chance now to respond to all that. I hope you hear that is good news. And uh, I've asked uh, a couple of our leaders, Daryl and Kenny, to, to pray over you if you need prayer. Uh, Daryl, if you'd come up front here somewhere, and Kenny's going to head to the back. So especially in response to these, I want you to have a chance to be kind of ministered to in the moment. If you struggle against thinking that the voice of God is good, or you struggle to even hear God's voice at all, Either of them are willing to pray for you in that. If you're so wrapped up in some other story that that you can't see your life as as part of God's good story, go and ask them to pray for you. Or even with each other, minister to one another in, in that as we take communion, as we remember the hero of the story who became weak and broken for us on the cross. As we take communion, that's what that reminds us of. is that Christ's body was broken to clothe you with his righteousness and his blood was spilled to take on all of your unrighteousness and pay for it. So maybe as couples, as families, as communities, as DNA groups or as rows, whatever it may be, go to the table and remind one another of these things or repent of where you're living as though your story has some other hero repent of listening to other voices as more important than God's come and receive prayer from from Kenny or Kenny or Daryl or myself and if right now God is leading you to for the first time surrender your life to him let those around you know let them invite you to come around this table that is the, the family table and remember Jesus's life and death for you And again, as we respond in song, you are the choir, and there's a great cloud of witnesses that is joining us, drowning out your off-pitch singing, (laughs) if you're off-pitch, or lifting up your on-pitch singing, if it's on-pitch. I don't even know if that's the right word, but just respond with gratitude to God out loud. And respond by giving generously of, of what material things he's given you. There's there's boxes in the back and a iPad even to give generously of what financially God has blessed you with. Respond now and worship with me, will you? Let me pray over us as we do that. God, we want to to believe more fully that Jesus is the hero of our story. So help us in our unbelief right now. God, we beat each other down thinking that there's some other less gracious hero. We want to be kind and gracious to one another. We want to listen well to one another. We want to lift up your opinion, which is full of grace, not our opinion of one another. To transform us anew and Help us to be a story-formed people who listen to your voice above all. We pray this in Jesus'
0: name. Amen.